Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening, and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. And once again, John Hewlett with the great intro for Toasted Tavern. I am Wags alongside Scott Tobin. And, man, it's been a long, long week. I know we didn't get a chance to spend much time with you guys last week, but uh, we are back tonight ready to talk about Midwest sports and, and really get you prepared for our big Kansas City trip coming up a little bit later on this week, this upcoming weekend. We will be in Kansas City covering everything Royals Cardinals, and we're going to have some special stuff going on as well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in just a second, but uh, I want to say hello to my friend Scott. Scott had a, a pretty big day today as well. Uh, first off, man, how are you doing? And, and tell me about the uh, the press conference you got to be a part of today. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm doing all right, man, after kind of a long week. But, yeah, doing okay. And, yeah, I was able to jump in. I was part of the Field of Dreams press conference with Major League Baseball today as they get ready for the game on Thursday. And got to talk to A.J. Brzezinski and William Hendricks just for a couple of minutes. And they're pretty excited about uh, getting out to Iowa this week and uh, playing a little baseball in the cornfields, man, hoping to see some ghosts roam around in uh, the old White Sox uniforms as they pull out those old old, old Sox uniforms for this series. Yeah, they looked phenomenal. I know I saw the pictures of the, the unveiling of those classic uniforms, and they looked amazing. And, and you talk about A.J. Pruszynski, former St. Louis Cardinal, albeit for a short amount of time. Uh, what, what kind of things did they talk about outside of being uh, excited about being in Iowa? Just, just basically, you know, the movie and, you know, had they watched it, you know, the excitement of doing this, being out there, just, you know, playing in a special game and a, a special environment, doing something, being so much closer to the fans in that little ballpark that they've built. Because they're not actually playing in the field from the movie. They've Major League Baseball has actually built a field there on the other side so they don't disrupt that iconic set. But they're still basically playing right on the other side of the cornfield, and it's going to be it's going to be really cool to see, I think. Yeah, I'm excited for that. We, we were going to get a chance to go up there last year when the Cardinals were involved in it, but, you know, COVID sucks and right. <laughs> pretty much canceled our plans for that. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to get up there to see that, but we are going to be in Kansas City this coming weekend for the Royals and Cardinals matchup. We're lining up some things as we speak. We do know one thing for sure, and that's we're going to be at the Negro League Hall of Fame and Museum on Saturday Time still a little flexible because we may have to adjust due to some guests that are coming in. But I tell you what, I'm super excited to be a part of that, to go to the Museum and Hall of Fame and actually get to experience it for the first time for myself. I know that the Cardinals always bring their young guys up there and a lot of the veterans still go back up there as well when they're there. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for it and I cannot wait. Yeah, it's going to be a really good time. Yeah, I'm excited to actually get to the museum myself and it's going to be fun. And yeah, hopefully we're going to have a Hopefully we're going to have a couple of special guests and uh, it's been fun the last couple of days playing phone tag with people trying to get this stuff set up and seeing who's texting me each day. And uh, it, it, it's been pretty interesting to check out my phone list the last couple of days. I'll just say that. Well, I tell you what, last year when we started to get the likes of, you know, Rick Ankiel and Brian Jordan and guys like that. And now I look in my phone as well and I go, I, I have Rick Ankiel's phone number. I have Brian Jordan's phone number. And now you're communicating with the Cardinals brass and all of that. And it, it's just, it, I know that we're supposed to be professional and we're supposed to be ooh, tight lipped, but this is, this is exciting because this is something that I've dreamt 
about since I was a kid. And now that we're starting to see the fruits of our labor really starting to push to this, uh, this weekend is going to be incredible. We, we're really trying to set up a lot of really, really cool things. So if you get a chance, if you're going to Kansas City this weekend for that Royals Cardinals series, make sure you swing by the museum on Saturday. Check that out as well as us. And you know, also follow our social media because we'll let you know where we're going to be stop by, say hi, maybe you can get on the broadcast. You know, it, it's, it's something that you can possibly do if you're up there in the Kansas city. And if not watch us on Facebook and YouTube, cause we'll be live. Yeah. We're going to be all over the place. You know, we'll be at the museum. We'll be at Kaufman. We may pop over to Arrowhead. We may be in downtown Kansas city at some point. We're just going to be all over the uh, terrorizing the Western part of the state for the weekend. Yeah. And we need barbecue restaurant suggestions. I know Tom Franklin, who's waiting in the wings, uh, has already put this out there to multiple outlets, but let us know your barbecue recommendations for Kansas City, because I know that there's multiple places out there that we should visit. We're only going to be able to hit a few, but I want to get my fill of barbecue this weekend for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely have to hit the places while we're out there and it's going to be fun. And like you said, hopefully people will come by and say hi and, you know, come bug us while we're at Kaufman or wherever we are. It'll be a, it'll be a good time. That certainly will. Okay, let's talk about some stuff that maybe was good and bad this past week with the St. Louis Cardinals. They get swept by the Braves last week, but then they take two or three from Kansas City. Nothing too exciting, I would say, in this. I mean, some of the games were pretty exciting as far as the, the Royals series were concerned, but that Braves series was just so demoralizing that it really got fans kind of down about this team and if they can even make a run i mean you were down there for a little bit uh you got the chance to experience uh, the crowds and all that but what's your feeling of the cardinals and where they're at right now going into the series in pittsburgh uh you just gotta win games man you know that brave series was frustrating you gotta look at that as opportunities that you missed i mean you had two games that you had leads in those games late in the games and Giovanni Gallegos basically just kind of imploded on you two nights in a row and then alex reyes had a rough night you know and it's going to happen. People want to jump on Reyes. The kid's been amazing all year. He's had a couple of bad nights, but, you know, this bullpen's kind of taxed, too. I mean, these guys are pitching. You're using those three guys a lot. And, uh, you know, they just kind of are where they are. You know, there are some signs with their offense a little bit. You're seeing Goldie and Dylan Carlson and Arenado heat up a little bit. You know, Harrison Bader continues to get on base. Tyler O'Neill was on base like crazy in this Kansas yeah. City series. Um but, you know, you just need consistency. You know, we saw it a couple of times even yesterday. You know, you have the bases loaded, nobody out. And you, you know, you have your backup catcher up and he hits it to a double play and then you have John Lester. I mean, they, you know, those are just the breaks of baseball. But we've seen that happen to him a lot this year where it seems like you get the bases loaded with your eighth place hitter or your ninth place hitter up and can't get the runs home. Um, you know, so, you know, you just got to win games. You know, you got to beat – Got to beat Pittsburgh and Kansas City, try to take at least two out of three in both of these series, and then you play Milwaukee and you see where you go from there. And, you know, there's still 50 games left. So while it's bleak, there's still things that can happen. That there are. And, you know, even you talk about the bases loaded and Kisner coming up, double play, Lester's up. Well, a couple innings prior to that, Lester let off an inning with a ground rule double, and they could not bring him home with the heart of the lineup coming up. So, yeah, it's just the inconsistencies that we're seeing with this team. It's been prevalent all year, and it's not something new for us. It's just it seems like in the moments where they really could produce, they kind of falter a little bit, and, and that's where the frustration with this team has grown. And you, know, you talk about you know, Yachty maybe not hitting as well as he's had in the, in the past couple of years. You've got guys like Tommy Edmond, Matt Carpenter thrust into that fifth spot, where it's, which is not necessarily guys that you want in that fifth spot, but they haven't really done a whole lot with 
changing up the lineup. I mean, DC up at the top has been very, very good. You've got the Goldschmidt Arenado thing working out well with Tyler O'Neill behind that. But then you've got, you know, Yachty and Edmund and DeYoung, guys that are just kind of scuffling all year before you get to a guy like Bader. You know, do you risk moving a guy like Harrison Bader up into that lineup and, and dropping those guys down where, yeah, the, the seven, eight, nine guys are probably going to go one, two, three, no matter what. But at least you've got six guys that could maybe put together a couple of hits to get some runs. Yeah, I don't know. You know, Harrison Bader is not a middle of the lineup guy. You know, I mean, he's just not. And then, you know, then you get then you run into the problem of him trying to do too much instead of trying to just make contact. He's trying to drive the ball out of the ballpark or trying to do a little too much. Yachty is starting to heat up again. You know, he was in a funk, but Yachty is definitely starting to hit again. Um, you know, but like you said, you know, your two big guys that are really struggled, you know, for quite a while now are Paul DeYoung and Tommy Edmond. I mean, I don't know. I think that's where the Cardinals are gonna have to make some at least look at improving in the offseason as second base and shortstop. And, you know, when you talk about second base, I don't know what you do with Tommy Edmond. I mean, I think he's a good role player, but he's proven that he can't be a leadoff hitter because he can't get on base enough to bat leadoff. You know, his on-base percentage is awful. He doesn't draw walks. And you can't hit him in the middle of the lineup because he doesn't have any power and he's not going to drive home runs. So I think you go back to this, you know, I think Tommy Edmond's role is the Ben Zobrist role, and then you have to go – whether it's Nolan Gorman's ready to play second base or you go out and get somebody. And I think I think the thing that this team needs more than anything else when you really think about it and you look at this lineup and go, what are they missing? They don't have a leadoff hitter. Dylan Carlson's done okay, but he's not a prototypical leadoff hitter. You need that spark plug guy that you know starts things, gets on base, and creates damage. I mean, you look at a guy like Cattell Marte would be the absolute perfect guy for the Cardinals if they could go out and get somebody, a second baseman, or a Starling Marte even. You know, one of those two guys, somebody like that that's got some power and speed, they really need that at the top of the lineup to get this thing going. That they really do, and it's going to be something that they're not going to really be able to address until the offseason. But right. maybe a guy like Nolan Gorman does come up. Maybe he's a September call-up this year, because I don't think they call him up any sooner than that. Continue to let him just develop down in, in Memphis. But a September call-up, if he comes in and, and, and shows – that he has the ability to A, lead off, B, play second base, and provide that power? Maybe, but he strikes me as a guy that could be more of that middle-of-the-lineup kind of guy, and that's that that would actually help things immensely because maybe you move Bader up to the top spot, maybe not tep- the typical leadoff guy, but if you can slot, you know, Bader, DC, Goldie, Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, Her- uh, Nolan Gorman, that might do something. I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. No, I still think they need to go get that guy. I don't. I don't think they have him in the organization. And you know, uh, Gorman's definitely not the leadoff hitter. I mean, you're you're going to have him. You might hit him. Mean, you might have him hit second next year. More likely, he's probably going to hit seventh or eighth. You know, that's probably where you want to stick him to not have pressure because you're going to have the DH next year. But I mean, that stuff we're going to have all off season to talk about. But I, that's the biggest glaring need I see in this team is they need they need that catalyst to really get this offense going. And because I mean, look at it more often than not. How often in the first inning do Goldie and Arenado come out with nobody on in two outs? Almost always in the first inning. Yeah, yeah, all the time, all the time. Well, one piece that's starting to improve and has been pretty good all year has been that starting rotation. Uh, unfortunately, KK does go on the IL. We talked about it last week about him having potentially some elbow issues. Well, there is some left elbow inflammation. He does go on the 10-day IL. The Cardinals activate Daniel Ponce de Leon, who's been on the IL for what seems like forever. I'm not sure if he's actually going to get into the rotation because there's help on the way. Uh, Mr. Jack Flaherty 
is coming back sooner than we expected, I think. Uh, he's looking like he might start either Thursday in Pittsburgh or Friday in Kansas City, depending on how they see fit. You know, the DH will be available in Kansas City, so he won't have to hit. Uh, but I know I'm excited. I know you're probably excited about Jack Flaherty making his return to the rotation. It's going to help out a lot. It is. It is. Although I think we need to temper expectations because I don't think he's going to come out there and throw seven or eight innings right away. No. You know, you're, you're going to get four or five innings from the first two or three starts and he may be rusty. I mean, you know, you just have to expect that. So don't expect Flaherty to come out there and be lights out pitch one the first time he goes out and then bitch and moan that, oh, he's not the ace because he didn't look good after he hasn't pitched for three months. You know, I mean. So, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully there are some signs of help. You know, Miles Michaelis was really bad the other night in his rehab start. So his come up date has been pushed back yet again. And I'm just going to throw this out there. Do we actually think we see KK pitch again as a Cardinal ever? I say no. Yeah. I mean, if this inflammation turns out to be more than just a, a flare up, I, I don't see how you can. Although, I mean, obviously we've seen the Cardinals throw money at guys that get injured and spend half a year not pitching anyway. Uh, but if it, if it turns out to be more than just a simple flare-up, uh, yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Uh, I mean, they've seen a lot of good from KK, but both years he's been here, he's dealt with injuries, whether it's his back or his elbow now. I just don't see how they can justify sinking more money into a guy that potentially could miss a bunch of starts and maybe is more suited to the bullpen at this point. Yeah, I mean – you know, just the fact that the Cardinals admit that he has elbow inflammation, it's probably five times worse than it really is, and he doesn't pitch again this year. And You know, all those people that a month ago wanted to sign him to an extension, and I was screaming, no, please don't bring him back. I mean, he's proven this year that he's not able to go more than about five innings at the most when he's healthy. Yeah, that's exactly the case. And it works well when you've got a bullpen that you can maybe have a guy go five and then you've got a good, maybe long reliever, and then you can get to your guys. But this Cardinals bullpen has been very, very suspect outside of the big three that you can't really rely on that. And that's why those guys have been used so much this year is because your starters have not been able to go longer than four or five innings in a lot of cases. And then you're stretching these guys out, having to pitch them multiple days. Although I will say this over the last couple of games, the bullpen has pitched a lot better. Even the guys that we were lambasting last week and the week before, they've started to pitch a little bit better as well. But we have to also remember it was the Royals, and the Royals are not as good as the other teams that we've been facing. So we'll have to kind of reserve judgment on that and just really hope that they can continue to build that confidence up over the next week or so before they face Milwaukee and really see what they have when they when the Brewers come to town. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a test. Um, we'll see. The Brewers are kind of ravaged with COVID right now, so we'll see what kind of shape they are in by the time we get to that series. And uh, like I said, there's still there's still time left to make a little bit of a run. Not a lot of time, but they can still do a little bit of something if they get healthy. That they can. That they can. How are you doing, man? Uh, it's it's difficult. I'll say this. I know you're getting your, uh, your earphones back in, but uh, – I'm gonna have. I'm gonna probably let you uh, tag out. Uh, how, how you doing, Scott? I'm doing all right. I'm okay. All right. I just, I just, let me know when you need to tag out because I got Tom ready to go. We're gonna talk about the Blues here in a little bit. Yeah, uh, we'll, I'll let him jump in here in just a second. I'll get a couple okay. more minutes in before I run away. Yeah. No. No. You. You got to make sure your health is is the most important thing. So, what other things have, have kind of been on your mind the last week as as you've kind of been uh, stewing at home and, and just kind of relaxing? 
Uh, getting ready for football season right now. That's that's the next thing on my on my plate is watching football. And I don't know if you uh, saw the uh, comments from Coach Drink after watching Missouri's practices last week, but he was not happy with his football team. He pretty much came out and said, if this team shows up like this, they're not going to be a 500 football team this year. Um, really, really critical of the way they're practicing right now and the way they're looking. And so that has to make you a little bit nervous if you're a Mizzou fan. I mean, I know the coach is trying to light a fire under his guys, but you don't really want to get three weeks away from the start of the season and have your coach talking about maybe a 500 season. But uh, college football is just around the corner, man. That, that it certainly is, and we had the Hall of Fame induction ceremony this past weekend in Canton, Ohio. Lots of guys going in, obviously, the 2020 and the 2021 class. For us, Isaac Bruce going in, huge, huge honor. Joe Buck also going in. I, I, we've talked about them in the past, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts real quick on another St. Louis connection that went into the Hall of Fame this weekend, a guy that I feel like does not get enough St. Louis love, and that's Steve Atwater. Why, why does he not seem to get the love when it comes to St. Louis's concerns, because he never played in the city, right? Yeah, there's probably a lot of people that don't realize that Steve Atwater is from St. Louis, but he was he played great football here as a high school collegiate kid, and then you know went to Denver and was a dominant, dominant safety in the NFL for a long time. One of the hardest hitting safeties in the NFL during his time, and you know helped helped the Broncos win a couple of Super Bowls along the way. Played at the end of the John Elway years in Denver, and. Uh, yeah, Steve Atwater was definitely one of the more feared safeties in the NFL, and people in St. Louis should definitely look up what he did, even in his high school days, because he was a really highly touted recruit coming out of the St. Louis area going into college. That he was, and, and Isaac Bruce's speech was uh, from the heart, because apparently his iPad got stolen from the, the podium. Uh, rumors were that Chris Berman accidentally took it off the podium, and uh, were, they, were they just trying to conceal the, uh, the St. Louis love in his speech? Uh, it's possible. Steve Kroenke probably paid somebody off to go steal that before Isaac could talk, but uh, he still professed his love for St. Louis. And uh, as anybody that follows our page has seen over the last couple last week or so, he talked about you know his dream as an expansion team in St. Louis and him being part of the ownership group, which that would be just about the perfect match for St. Louis if we could ever get a football team. Well, we got a pretty good response from that uh, from that tweet that uh, was put out because. I, I was expecting a lot of hatred and vitriol and like, no, hell no, get away. But we, I think the overwhelming majority was if that was part of the ownership group, if it was like Isaac Bruce and Kurt Warner and those guys, if they had gotten together and, and got a group together to bring an expansion team to St. Louis, I think a lot of people would actually have been okay with that. And I think that was a little surprising to me. Uh, not to me. You know, I think, I think a lot of people have said, you know, I'm sick of St. Louis. I don't want a football team here unless it's a homegrown team. It's an expansion team and it's local ownership. But if you could get, you know, if you get the expansion team and then you have, like you said, an Isaac or Orlando who still lives in the area or Adam Timmerman, some of these guys that still live in St. Louis to be involved in that ownership group, I think that would be the perfect situation. And I think you would see football in St. Louis be as big as it ever has been, if not bigger. And I want to bring Tom into this because I know he just got, uh, I guess, wooed by the Arizona Cardinals, formerly of St. Louis. And what, what is your take on that? I mean, obviously you've become a fan of the, of the Arizona Cardinals, but if Isaac Bruce and some of these other guys were to be a part of an ownership group, would you be okay with that? And would you support a St. Louis NFL team again? I would. I mean, I'm, I, for the longest time, 
was a never again NFL guy. I was just as angry as a lot of people were. And a lot of people had the right to be angry. I mean, you know, it's one thing to be like, you know, the Bidwells and leave town the way they did, but they didn't salt the earth, you know, on their way out, like the, like, like Kroenke and Demoff and that AMF letter, you know, it just, just the whole thing just sucked. And, and St. Louisans had every right to be bitter about that. But, you know, I think, I, and of course, we tweeted this out on the on, as you alluded to on Tosa St. Louis, and we had over sixty likes and uh, you know about, about a dozen comments, and they all were you know except for a couple were like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, and I think that 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 tells me one thing that tells me that St. Louisans can forgive. We do have that in our bones; we can do that. But if it's and it could work if it's presented the right way. You know, I mean, the, the whole idea of Isaac Bruce being a part of the ownership group, people like that. Uh, I remember, I think Chris Long was talking about, uh, you know, possibly being part of an, uh, an ownership group like that. Um, people love Chris Long. I mean, if he was part of that group, great. Orlando Pace, he still lives in the St. Louis area. If he was part of that, that's great. More, more, the more the merrier. It would, it would show, you know, for one, I mean, I think fans are going to be skeptical of any out of town ownership group that tries to, you know, own a St. Louis expansion football team. I mean, yes, you know, Kroenke was from, you know, Columbia, Missouri, but uh, we, we, we saw where his heart truly lied, you know? So, I mean, like they, would need I think fans would need someone that is truly born, bred, and bleeding St. Louis in order for an NFL expansion team to work. And we and we just gave the NFL a blueprint saying, "Hey, get some of these former Rams involved in the ownership team, uh, and we'll make it work." I saw I saw a really interesting tweet, and and this would be interesting: an ownership group with an Isaac and Orlando and Adam Timmerman, some of those guys that still live in the area. And then a guy like Shad Khan, who wanted to buy the Rams, sells the Jaguars mm. to a Jacksonville-based ownership group, and then he becomes the owner of the expansion group with those guys. That would be interesting because we know he's a St. Louis area guy. He wanted to keep the Rams in St. Louis. You know, that might be an interesting situation. It could be. the The only thing I see with that though is that I just from people I've talked to in Jacksonville. Uh, Shot cons, you know, kind of established some, I guess, business roots in Jacksonville, and you know, like like the whole deal with the London, for instance. You know, I I was talking to uh, someone a few years ago about that that works in a, a news talk radio station down there, and he's like that. We love the London deal whenever the Jaguars are playing in London because that has actually brought a lot of English and London based businesses into Jacksonville. So they were kind of happy about that, believe it or not. Um, so, so I I don't know about that, but. But um, it would need to be more than obviously just Isaac and Orlando. It, it, you would need a big money guy guy behind him. Um, I I don't think Michael Bidwell would ever sell the Cardinals and then you know go into an expansion team like you know the, the he he apparently still lo- likes St. Louis a lot. He was the one that voted against uh, uh, Stan Kroenke's plan along with uh, the Chargers, um, but I think he's rooted in Arizona. So who's who's the hero going to be? Who is going to be the one that steps up? I saw someone suggest Jack Dorsey, you know, of Twitter, because uh-huh. Dorsey's a St. Louis guy. I don't, I, I, I never really heard of him being a real sports ball guy before, so I don't know if uh, uh, he's that civic minded. Like I, I've never, I mean, he's done some things for St. Louis, but like he hasn't been like a ta- like like the Taylor family. The Taylor family, they have their fingerprints all over a lot of you know the St. Louis development. So. 
Maybe maybe this is a Taylor family. Maybe, you know, maybe there's another part of the Taylor family that's like, well, hey, well, you got your soccer team. Well, we're going to get a football team now. You know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know the Taylor family that well, but. It's it's the uh, the Christmas one up thing, you know. You get you get together with your family for Christmas, and everybody's trying to say, "Hey, well, I did this this year. Well, no, I did this this year. Well, I did this this year. You know, well, you got a hockey team. Well, we got a new soccer team coming in. Well, you know what? I got the NFL. Ha 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 Yeah, I went to space. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe I'll maybe maybe we can start a uh, letter writing campaign to Jeff Bezos. I mean, he's got enough money. There you go. He went to space after all. I mean, not, now what? Now what? He's he doesn't run a, he doesn't run Amazon anymore. Yeah. I'll say this: I love I love that tweet that went out that uh, basically said Jeff, Jeff Bezos has spent more time in space in the last twenty years than the Maple Leafs has spent in the second round in the same amount oh. of time. So, oh. ouch, ouch, oh. ouch! It's true though. Ouch, ouch! It's it true. is. It is. It is. And thankfully, we're a St. Louis-based podcast because we'd be hearing it from the Toronto fans right about now. Uh, well, I, actually, actually, you know what? I, I take it back. I think Toronto fans at this point are kind of like how Blues fans were before we won our cup and that we're just like, yeah, you're kind of right. You're kind of right. <laughs> I think they're at that point of loathing right now. Well, fellas, I'm going to uh, take say my goodbyes for the evening. I'm going to roll out of here and, and get a little bit more rest, try to rest up and be ready for Kansas City this weekend. I'm going to let you – I have faith in you guys to uh, finish this show up, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. All right, man. Scott. Get get some rest, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, see you guys. Feel better, bud. Thanks. All righty. Well, well, Tom, let, let's get into it. I mean, let, let, you know what? Let's finish up this NFL talk real quick because I sure. I know you kind of started hitting on on something that I really think we need to dive into a little bit is that local ownership piece. You know, St. Louis is not a massive city. It's not a New York. It's not an LA. It's not even like a Houston or Dallas. So. You talk about the Taylor group being there and, and Derek, we're going to get to the blues talk here in just a second. Don't worry. We, we will talk about the blues. Uh, there's a lot to talk about there, but who could you see potentially being the savior and, and bring an NFL team in here? Now it doesn't have to be somebody with super deep pocketbooks. If you bring in guys like Bruce and Warner and Holtz and Timmerman and guys like that, or does it really have to be someone with a lot of weight in the city and let these other guys just be ambassadors? Well, the billion-dollar question is going to be whether or not this lawsuit against the NFL and the Rams will play into some of that setup, like whether or not uh, St. Louis gets awarded an expansion team and the new owner doesn't have to pay for an expansion fee. Uh, maybe uh, they uh, NFL invest in some like a riverfront stadium. I mean, maybe not the whole thing, but invest a big chunk of it, like they were supposedly going to do. You know, for you know the 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 proposal before the Rams left. I mean. Then they then they Indian giver that away. Um, it, it it a lot of that depends on um, how much is going to be basically given gratis to a new owner. And I, I almost kind of I, I have to think that it would have to be someone that is, is a mavericky type of a guy because you're probably gonna have to put a, a stadium along the riverfront uh, because the NFL that's they, they prefer you know to be in an urban area um, so you're gonna have to tear down a lot of buildings get eminent domain for a lot of those buildings and then tear down the buildings and you're gonna do a lot of redevelopment and oh yeah you got to build the stadium and you're probably going to want to make it, make sure it's a little bit better than the TWA dome was. So they don't leave in 25 years, 
You know, we 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 have walked down that path and maybe not have the CBC involved in that really at all this time because that kind of led to that. That'd be kind of great. Um, but to me, I mean, I'm still not getting my hopes up over it just because as we've just talked in the last few minutes, there's so many questions. There's, I mean, this has got to happen. This has got to happen. This has got to, it's not just as simple as saying, oh, well, you know, the NFL is just going to settle with the city of St. Louis and give St. Louis an expansion team. Great. Where are they going to play? They're not going to play in the dome. I mean, they might be able to play there for a couple of years as a temporary home, like the Rams did with the LA Coliseum. But we all knew the LA Coliseum wasn't going to be their home. And let's face it, the Rams left St. Louis because the dome was not adequate enough to be their home. So we'll see. I mean, but in the meantime, yeah, I've I'm starting to invest myself more into the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sure other fans in St. Louis have started to invest in the Kansas City Chiefs or uh, you know, other teams around the area. It's it, it's it's going to be a hard sell. I mean, as I said, there's I think I think Isaac Bruchus gave us an idea of what that could look like, but even he admitted that was like a dream. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily like something that he's got the ball rolling on. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's you have to wait for this settlement to really kind of get done. Uh, that way, you know, like you said, the framework, what, what money is it going to take? Uh, what and, is the NFL going to do? And, and <laughs> Derek, uh, what was wrong with the dome? Oh, Sorry for being uh, naive. Tom, Tom, take it away. Go ahead. Loaded question. That is a loaded question. So first of all, as a former season ticket holder for the St. Louis Rams, the dome had all the fun and ambiance of a cave. It was, it was a cavernous place. It could be loud. I mean, as I mean, I was there for the greatest show on turf years, and yeah, that place could get loud, and that sound gets trapped in there. And it was it was a very intimidating place, but it wasn't. It was it was a hunk of concrete. Well, it was. It still is. It's still there. Um, it just it just is not a very charming place. And the deal that the Rams had with uh, the city of St. Louis was that they needed it to be in the top 25% of all NFL stadiums. And, of course, as we all know, since 1995, NFL stadiums have become these gaudy, monolithic places. I mean, Jerry World, Cronky World, I mean, you name it. There was no way, realistically, that they were going to retrofit the Dome to be a top 25% NFL stadium. I mean, look at what Seattle is doing with the key arena. I mean, they've, they've, I mean, that has been a Herculean effort to retrofit the key arena and it's, you know, it's still got the same old roof, but the whole thing inside is new as a uh, uh, blues fan reacts can attest. And he's going to join us here in just a little bit. Um, and of course the only, the only did that in Seattle because they literally is no other place in Seattle. They could have put a stadium. So they just say, Hey, we'll just take what we, what we have. Um, but yeah. So basically the deal was, since the uh, city couldn't make that dome the top 25% of the NFL, that basically turned their lease with the Rams into a year-to-year lease. And so that was basically Stan Kroenke's out. So that's that's what's wrong with the dome. It was just a very vanilla, blah place. And it also gave Kroenke the, uh, the ticket he needed to go to L.A. Well, I'll say this. I went to a monster truck show there a couple years ago. Sunday, uh, I think 20, Sunday, Sunday. Tw- actually, it was on a Sunday, uh, nice. 20, 2019. And, you know, we sat lower bowl and relatively close to the, to the actual event. And it was just 
like you said, it was blah. I mean, this is monster trucks. I remember going yeah. to the monster truck show at the old barn and just literally having to hold my ears the entire time. Yeah. I was sitting 30 rows from these trucks in the dome and I'm like, are they on? So all of that kind of going into it, it just, it wasn't a conducive yeah. environment for a football team or anything like that. I mean, the, the scoreboard, the, the video board was terrible. You couldn't see anything on it. It, it just, it was overall just a yeah. really, really poorly built and poorly run stadium. So Crocky got out of a bad stadium, but he also, you know, lambasted the entire city in the process. And to be fair, in the in the final years of the dome, when the well, at least final years when the Rams were there, they did upgrade the um, the scoreboard, um, you know, to where it was actually decent. Because I was there for the Battle Hawks uh, for one of the two games that they played at the dome, and it was it was great to be back in there just because all the memories of the Rams and all the games that I went to and the greatest show on turf was there. But I like during the game, I walked around the stadium a little bit. I went up to the press box. I, I had a press pass. And then I also kind of walked around like the upper level concourse a little bit, just kind of, you know, checking things out. And I just like I, I was just like, meh. I mean, it, it, it's a place and it, it, it there's there's concrete and it is a place. It, it, it was nothing special. It really yeah. wasn't. Not, not at all. So hopefully, uh, we'll we'll hear more about this as the uh, the, the months go on. Uh, we're going to try and get Derek King on in the next couple of weeks as well to update us on that progress as well. But uh, let's get to it now. Let's bring in Mason. Let's talk about the Blues because we haven't had a chance to talk about hockey in a couple of weeks. You know, a lot of us have been have been busy, busy, busy. And uh, first off, Mason, we got to get your reaction to the Brandon Sod deal because you have not. You've been not that you've been silent, but no, I've been you've, silent. Been, you've been withholding <laughs> your response. Uh, and, and honestly, for all, all of your fans out there, this is the first chance for them to hear what you think of the Brandon Saad deal. What do you think, man? I mean, I I wouldn't say – I have been silent. Okay, let's get that straight. I, I've been totally – I haven't talked about this intentionally just because I wanted to you know, do a proper video. Obviously, I'm kind of on a little bit of a break right now. Uh, but I mean, I, I think because a lot of people are expecting him to get well over six and a half, you know, I've, I've heard rumors of him getting, you know, a multi-year, like seven by five I've heard, you know, so being able to get him at such a good price and still having just barely enough to sign Cairo and Thomas, you know, pending a Tarasenko trade. I think this is a good move from the blues. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to have a lot of chemistry with players like O'Reilly and especially Bushnevich. I feel like all three of those guys will work really well together. They play very similar games and kinds of games that just complement each other really well. And I know Brennan Saad, you know, for the past couple of years, you know, he was on a big contract, you know, with Chicago. He had, you know, was making $6 million per season. And then, of course, he was traded to uh, Colorado before last season. And I did find it interesting, the response out of Colorado once the Blues signed him. There was a lot of disappointment uh, from, from Colorado fans. They liked him in Colorado, and he was just, you know, there for a year. Um, the Saad deal to me is is – might end up being a bargain over time, kind of like how David Perron's deal is now um, in that, you know, he, he's making four and a half mil. He is a very capable two way forward. He can, he, I think he's a better scorer than Jaden Schwartz is. In fact, they're very similar type of players, 
But I love Brendan Saad at five years, four and a half million, than Jaden Schwartz at five years and five and a half million. Uh, I mean, to me, there's there, there's not a lot separating those two in terms of you know what you get on the ice. And as I said, I think Sa- I think Saad's a better scorer. I think Jaden might be a slightly better defender. Um, but it's just, but still, it, it's it's not enough to to make it like one million dollars per year for a difference. Um, right. I, I, I think Saad was a very it was a savvy move. I think we were all kind of a little worried because the first day of free agency came and went. And um, there was the reports that the blues were still in on Mike Hoffman until the very end. And then uh, they got outbid by Montreal at four and a half oh, well. per season, which, you know, that kind of shows you what, you know, I mean, it, I, the, the fact that the blues couldn't match four and a half million to me, it tells me what they really thought of Mike Hoffman. And I think Brendan Saad is a going to be a much better signing than Mike Hoffman will be in Montreal. Well, and here's the one thing when you're talking about comparing Saad and Schwartz, um, health. Brandon Saad's a guy, knock on wood, that has not had to deal with a lot of injury the last couple of years, where Schwartz yeah. seemed like every single year he has gone on the injured list for an extended mm-hmm. period of time. So not only that, you have longevity, you have health, you have a better scoring ability. And we've seen this with the Blues, and I, it's weird to say this considering the defense wasn't all that great the last couple of years, but for some reason, bad defensive players come into St. Louis and tend to up their defensive game just a little bit as well. So, I mean, Mike Hoffman, you talk about – he actually was a decent two-way forward last year. Not great. No, I mean, not 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 right. selfie level or anything like that. But you could see, being on a winning team, there was a little bit more of that, okay, I'm going to get back and try and you know pick the pocket or, or get back on defense to do something here or there. It wasn't always totally consistent. But being on a winning team, you want to play and improve yourself. Well, not saying that Saad hasn't played on a winning team. Obviously, he played in Chicago during their runs. He got a couple of cups, and he played in Colorado – but also coming into St. Louis, knowing the work ethic that this team has, you might see a little bit of an increase in a focus on the defense. Look what Tarasenko did in his career. You know, he was at the start, score, 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 score. Now he's a two-way forward that maybe makes a little bit more than a two-way forward should make, but you saw his input into being a defensive player. So, and, and you've got the Mike Hoffman stuff up there right now. And, and I'll tell you this right now, this is Jay Fresh's uh, great, you know, he, he makes graphics that, you know, people like me can understand. And uh, you look at his defense, you know, the EV defense, and it's at 41%, which doesn't look great. It's still, uh, still in the red, but I believe before he signed with the blues, that was like in the single digits. I mean, that, that does kind of go to show you, you can see kind of in the graph, um, on the bottom right there, how uh, his analytics on defense actually improved quite a bit. I mean, he he didn't contribute much on offense, you know, outside of uh, uh, scoring, which that we we knew that about Mike Hoffman. But you're right, he did he did uh, chip in 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 some different areas uh, on the ice uh, a little bit more than he had. But whether that's sustainable or whether that's just because he was part of the Craig Berube system where it's two way or death. Um, and in Kaufman's case, it was almost death. I mean, he was almost traded at the deadline. Um, he, I think I think that was just more of Hoffman having to adapt. Whether it's sustainable or not, I don't know. But you know what? He's not our problem anymore. He's Montreal's. So, hey Russell, hello Russell. How, How are you doing? Russell, how you doing? 
And uh, Derek says, I like that Saad has played for a few of our division rivals, should be able to contribute insight. That's another great point as well. He's played against the Blues, so he knows their style, but he also has played with Colorado and Chicago. So there's also that in there. And and you're right, Derek, Fabry also got death. Yes. And, yes. and yeah, going to Detroit is basically career death. I mean, I mean, I, at I least know. he's getting paid. At least he's getting paid. The tech's still clear. That is what matters. That is very, very true. All right, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the guy we've already talked about here, Vladimir Tarasenko. He's still a blue. You know, we going up into free agency, we were all expecting a deal to materialize at that point. It's been quiet for the last couple of weeks. It's been a little weird. Obviously, you know, Doug Armstrong came out and said, look, you got to prepare like you're going to be a St. Louis blue this year. Are, are we getting closer to the realization that maybe Vladimir Tarasenko is a blue to start the season? No. No, no, they're, they're, uh, that's not going to work. That is not going to work out at all. He, the, look, Tarasenko wants out. He, it's been made very clear that now he's willing to go just about anywhere. I mean, I would love to see them try and try to trade him to Buffalo to put that theory to the test. Um, but that might be freaking hilarious. It would be hilarious and sad at the same time because that his career will go to die in Buffalo like everyone else's does. But, um, no, I I think there is going to be a trade eventually at some point. I I do kind of wonder Mason, if there, there, there's been some chatter that maybe there were other deals for Tarasenko, but Armstrong didn't feel good about what he was getting back in return. And now he, maybe he's overplayed his hand a little bit. Do you think, do you think that? Yep. I, I absolutely think so. I mean, we heard from Frank Saravelli and Andy Strickland that there were multiple offers on the table before the expansion draft where, you know, the flyers were probably going to definitely overpay for it. I mean, now that they're kind of realizing like, Oh shit, nobody wants him. Why should I pay this much for him? I think that's kind of sent a message to not only, you know, the, not only flyers GM, but every GM around the league that, Maybe this might be an overpayment. I don't want to be the GM that looks stupid this offseason, a la Doug Armstrong style, you know. So I, I feel like, yes, I, I think he definitely overplayed his hand. I think he overplayed it, you know, when he didn't get a deal done before the expansion draft. Because I'm 90% sure, even before that draft, that Terrace, I, I was still positive that he wasn't going to be selected. I don't think that was something that the Seattle Kraken wanted to take a chance on. Yeah, but you also have to remember, if you make a trade before the expansion draft, you have to protect the guys that you're bringing in. And you're not making a deal with Tarasenko and just taking anybody. You're you're trying to get guys that you want on this team this year. So the fact that you believe that Seattle wasn't going to take Vladimir Tarasenko means you would want to keep him through the expansion draft because he wasn't going to be taken. Whereas if you trade him before the draft, then the guys that you bring in, one or two of those guys, you may have to protect, which would then slide a guy out that you may not have wanted to not protect. Maybe that slides a Robert Thomas out or Jordan Cairo and Seattle swoops in and goes, huh? Yeah. Middle, middle twenties speedster. Uh, yeah. I'll take a Jordan Cairo off your hands. So, I mean, as far as overplayment of his hand, I don't think that was technically the case. Um, and, and we just looked at it. I mean, Derek said it a minute ago, army has been patient. He's been patient with free agency. He's been patient in the trade market. I mean, look how long it took for the Ryan O'Reilly deal to materialize as well. So, I'm going to give Doug Armstrong a little bit more of the benefit of a doubt that he's going to be able to pull something off. Cause it feels like, and I know we talked to Alex Ferrario about this a couple weeks ago that he thought both of the New York teams were, were out, but I really do yeah. think it's going to come down to the Rangers and the Islanders. I think one of those two teams is going to pull the trigger on this move. And Doug Armstrong's really just trying to 
basically wait them out and playing this game of chicken. Like, okay, how long do you guys really think you can wait to bring that's a guy a like Tarasenko? By Armstrong, if that's what he's doing. But he's done it before. He's done it before. He waited Buffalo out, and look what we gave up for Ryan O'Reilly. So that's true. Yeah, you're, you're okay. essentially going to be able to trade Tarasenko for somebody good. But O'Reilly, that still happened on deadline day, though. I'm or, or not deadline day, the the, the opening day, free of agency day. That yeah, was the after, I mean, it was the afternoon, but it still happened. But you're right, though that that was a deal that took months to materialize. It was it was a situation where it has been reported that uh, Armstrong would kept checking in with Jason Botterill, kept checking in, kept checking in. Um, I believe that they were even spotted at the uh, NHL draft that year a couple of times, like chatting in a, in a mm-hmm. tunnel. Um, so you're right. It, it did take a while, but at least we had an idea that, okay, the blues may still be in on Ryan O'Reilly. And we had all this evidence to show that there was something going on there. We have nothing with Tarasenko right now. It is deathly quiet. There's a reason right. we haven't done a toast to blues lately. And that is because we haven't had anything to talk about because we haven't had a Tarasenko trade to talk about. Right. And, and I and, and I the, the the biggest thing that gives me pause, there yes there have been reports that teams have looked at Tarasenko's medical records that have been okay fine you know he's okay, but I look at a team like New Jersey, you know New Jersey was rumored to be in on Tarasenko, they just went out and signed Tomas Tatar to be their you know in their top six their their top six scoring winger now Tatar is not exactly going to set the world on fire but he's a guy that in a full season can get you you know 25 goals mm-hmm. i mean yeah, i mean Tarasenko yes when he's healthy he's a guy that gets you you know 30 to 35 but let's face it he hasn't done that in 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 a couple of years yes he had 33 in 2018 19 the Stanley Cup year but in the years that have followed he has seven goals in the regular season total whereas Tomas Tatar has you know 32 so you know you're 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 talking and and the Devils didn't have to give up anything for Tomas Tatar. Tatar was a free agent. In order to get Vladimir Tarasenko on your team, you have to give assets to the yes. St. Louis Blues, and apparently the GM's being really picky about that. So you have to be really, really confident that Vladimir Tarasenko is A-OK, and he hasn't been traded yet. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? Right. Well, so who's, to who's Wags the well, Who's to the your Islanders point. GM real quick? Who's the Islanders GM real Lou quick? Lamarello. Lou Lamarello. Uh, yeah, and yeah, we know who, who Lou is. He's super yeah, sweet. Yes. Yeah. Well, to your to your expansion draft thing. Okay, so let's say benefit of the doubt. Giving you the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's uh, it's the Flyers who get a, who are going to get a deal done with the Blues. Okay, who are the players' name that were going to come back to the Blues? I, honestly, I don't even remember. I, I'm pretty sure Voracek was one of the guys that was, that was mentioned. It was Voracek, um, and I, I think there was a Provorov or Lindblom mixed in there, but the Blues so would have had you, to overpay would you, for that. Would you have but let's assume those guys. Let's assume benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's Voracek. Okay, let's say it's Voracek coming back. Okay, you're saying you're saying you know. Okay, but then you're gonna have to protect the the player coming in, right? Okay, right. let's give let's have Provorov or excuse me, let's have Voracek back. And let's protect him at the expense of Ivan Barbashev's slot. Do you think Seattle's picking Barbashev over Dunn? I don't think so. No. It's, see that it's it's yeah, not a guarantee. So. It's not a guarantee though. Not a guarantee. I, I, I feel I, I feel I like you're, you're you're playing with fire if you're if you expose a guy like a Barbashev or a Cairo or something to that effect. Whereas it didn't feel like you were playing with fire when Tarasenko was being exposed because either you're getting rid of seven and a half million. Yes, you're not getting anything back, but it is cap space. You're getting money. It's or true. or you're able to 
trade him when he's not picked and you're, you're able right. to protect you're the right. other guys. So I get your point too, though. Don't get me wrong. I totally get your point. More than likely, Dunn was probably going to be the pick no matter what. But in my mind, seeing how important Ivan Barbashev has been to the Blues, I think they made the right call on that. But that is my point, though. Because if, if let's say, all of that happens, we get a Voracek trade done. That Whatever offer was on the table then, do you think we're getting that same offer now if we were to trade him? No, we wouldn't get anywhere close. His Probably value not. was still high before the expansion draft. I'd say the value coming back to the Blues is worth it. Whereas now, if Doug Armstrong really wants to unload Tarasenko, he's going to have to sweeten the deal there. I don't think yeah. any team is going to overpay for them. In fact, how that trade is going to go down, the same way how I kind of described if Dunn was going to be traded, I think the Blues are going – I think that trade is going to look stupid later on. You did know, we really did we really think we that forced. but did we really think that we were going to get something of significant value for Tarasenko? Remember, we're arguing about the fact that teams are looking right. at his medical history because he has three shoulder I'd rather surgeries. have Voracek we're, than we're, nothing. We're sitting we're sitting <laughs> here. I don't know. I call like Voracek a first and a third or something like that or Voracek a first and a prospect and something like that. I'd take that in a heartbeat. Oh, I You're I sure would I sure would as well. I just I, I, are we really even sure that that was actually the offer, though? There's a lot of rumors going out mm-hmm. there, and it is yeah. the expansion draft. So, a lot, you, as Tom has said it yeah. multiple times, you can never trust what anybody says during that time frame. No, Do we right. actually feel like that, that was the offer, though? I, I I think if I'm the Flyers and I'm not, you know, if, if I'm not thinking too closely about it, I'm hearing, oh, Tarasenko, the superstar player, wants out. Yeah, why not pull the trigger on that? But remember, they said it, it wasn't just like this was a rumor. There was a deal that was ready to be signed that Doug Armstrong actively said no to. So if only that's we knew what the, the deal thing was. you have to yeah. consider. So to your, I can understand your point by not wanting to risk a barbershop. I'm happy Barbershop's on this team. He's one of the most underrated players in the NHL, in my opinion. Honestly, he is so valuable to this team. I'm just saying, is the trade-off for possibly, potentially, not guaranteed, but potentially having Barbership exposed worth the extra value that we could have gotten for Tarasenko before the draft? That is the predicament I'm kind of in. Right I, now. I still think it was the right move to expose Tarasenko in the expansion draft, especially so with all with all that came out that he didn't want to play in St. Louis anymore. Uh, you know, you to to have that that extra seven and a half million dollars. I mean, that was. That had a certain value this offseason mm-hmm. in of itself that maybe wasn't there in past off seasons. Mm-hmm. From a from an aesthetics, but but if you're if you're looking at this thing from Doug Armstrong's point of view, okay, you have a superstar forward in Vladimir Tarasenko. Everyone and and their mother has his jersey. He's a household name, and you trade him like Dexter Fowler for you know for for a couple baseball bats and a and a couple baseballs. It, it just it, it would it. From, from, from Doug Armstrong's standpoint, that would probably infuriate the fan base. I mean, it, it, to, to not get anything of real value for Tarasenko in return in a trade. Like, if they have to cover half of his salary and then they get back, like, a um, you know, a 24-year-old maybe, you know, in return, that's not going to be – that's not going to look good either. So, I do kind of wonder – if maybe Doug Armstrong is trying to, you know, treat Tarasenko a little bit like a petulant child who is having a temper tantrum, making Tarasenko go stand in the corner for a little while and maybe hope this blows over and he comes out in 15 minutes and apologizes. Because uh, at that point, I I mean, because at this point, I'm looking at like the Philadelphia Flyers, for instance, I was looking at their cap friendly while you were talking about uh, their interest in Voracek. 
they only have about $4 million left in cap space, and their roster is basically set at this point. They have to re-sign uh, uh, Travis Sandheim, and then that's it. They're at 23. They're done. A lot of these teams I'm looking at, their rosters are pretty much set right now. So I I just I, I said earlier that I thought that, you know, I was very adamant, like, nope, we're not going to see Terrace Sank on the Blues uniform ever again. I am kind of wondering. I am kind of wondering if 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 we indeed will or if if at the very least they get Tarasenko to play at least long enough until like the trade deadline and then maybe a new market opens up for him at that point cuz and of course keep in mind we're all grasping at straws here cuz there's yes. absolutely no news coming out about Tarasenko yeah, it's been dead at silent all. We, uh, we have nothing to work with except for, you know, stuff that was in effect, you know, during that flurry a couple weeks ago. Since then, death, deathly silence. So I just, I honestly, guys, I don't know. Yeah, the more, the more it gets closer and closer to training camp and no deal is materialized and no news has come out, the more likely I think he is going to be with this team because he can build up his value and you can build up your trade market. You can basically say, as Doug Armstrong, hey, look, I got a guy that is going to probably score 25 goals this year that I'm willing to trade. And, you know, give me your best offer. Teams are going to be looking at that. And it will be Eastern Conference teams that he will, that he'll unload him to. Oh, yeah. So, right. I mean, the longer this goes, and, and you have to look at it as Tarasenko, too. And, you know, if no one's really beating down the door for me right now, maybe in my eyes, I had to go out and prove myself even more, prove that I'm healthy. You know, you can say, oh, my medical records look great, but seeing him out on the ice, and producing in actual games might be another impetus to get him to be moved and to have teams bring in offers for him. So I, I'm thinking, you know, if we get to, you know, maybe the end of August and we still don't hear anything, I think more than likely he's with the Blues at the start of the season. Well, we haven't really looked at this even from Tarasenko's shoes yet. I mean, uh, he still maybe he, he he looks at this and says, hey, I still have to prove myself. I still have to prove that my shoulder is healthy. I that I I have to prove that I can play because he looked good playing for for Russia. But even some people were saying that like okay, he wasn't he still wasn't like the full Tarasenko of old. So you know if, if I'm Tarasenko and I'm still a blue going into training camp, is being a petulant child and holding out going to help my cause? Probably not. Um, mm -hmm. I mean I mean I mean it's it it me it just it just doesn't work like that in the NHL. I mean, at least from, from all the cases I'm thinking of right now. So if, if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, I have to prove myself. So maybe if he starts the year as a blue, we see 110% Tarasenko. We see max effort. So then he can be traded and get, you know, finally make his way out of St. Louis. Maybe, maybe that's what he has to do. Cause what are the, I mean, what other choices does he have? He can't be like Kaprizov and go back to the KHL. I mean, I guess he could. Wasn't that like a ten-figure deal on the table eight, or something? One like that? year, eight figures. Holy eight figures. Shit. Which is, which is, which. <laughs> by the way, as many people have pointed out, the KHL has a team salary cap of like fourteen million dollars. Yeah. So you're basically paying. You know, you're gonna have Kaprizov and then like a bunch then of, um, you know, seventeen-year-old Russian prospects that you know are gonna be making you know five dollars a week and uh, they'll get a warm meal every other day. Isn't that like? High end in Russia, just wild. It depends on just where you are. Wild, just <laughs> wild. I mean, yeah. I'm also thinking about no pun intended with the just wild thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. No, it works. You know, uh, I, 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 the other thing I'm thinking about when it comes to Tarasenko, I'm thinking about if I'm a player in the locker room 
at knowing that this guy that I've looked up to, especially if I'm a younger player, this guy doesn't want to be on this team anymore. Well, how's that going to affect the locker room chemistry? I bet it's going to fuck it up. That's my main reason for moving him, honestly, at this point, is yeah, I don't he, think he'd mesh well with the players anymore. Yeah, you 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 do worry about that. And, you know, then, then it becomes a case of does the team keep him away, you know, just un until he finds his new team. It, it's just it, – it's a mess. What about a buyout? That's not a Doug Armstrong thing, though. He, yeah. he's I know never, it's not, but he's not, he's if, never you're, if you are out. the Blues GM and you absolutely cannot move Tarasenko, is that an option you maybe explore? I mean, as if I'm Doug Armstrong, I, I I think that's something I'm. I think that's something I do, honestly. If it, I absolutely cannot move him, it, it it would be a bullet in the chamber. I mean that that's definitely for sure. Um, by the way, I'm gonna go ahead and yes, I went ahead and did this on uh, cap friendly. I'll go ahead and uh, uh, show it to you here. Uh, second here, share that. Click that. There we go. So this is a what uh, Vladimir Tarasenko's actually that's a Twitter tweet deck. I shared the wrong screen. Say, well, that's yeah. a lot of information there. Yeah, <laughs> that's not correct. All right, let me let me try this again. This time without the sucks. So, I was gonna say. Uh, but yeah, looking at uh, Vladimir Tarasenko's potential buyout. Um, here we go. We got to pull it up right now. There we go. Uh, so in 2021-22, if they bought him out, uh, the Blues would save seven million dollars. This coming season, which I don't know if there's anyone out there in free agency that's worth $7 million, but who knows? Uh, then in 2022-23... That's when it gets that, ugly. That's when it gets ugly. So you would, only, you would, you would still save $3 million next offseason, and then the following two offseasons uh, after Tarasenko's contract is up, there'd be a $2.5 million. One more thing, and it doesn't make it better. Year. And it doesn't make it better, but one more thing is that supposedly the cap is going to go up the next year. Yeah, so like I know about a million. Yeah. yeah, so I know that they talk – I that's why I said not wonderful, but that is the thing. I mean, who knows? In the future, you know, we were talking about, oh, this is an $81.5 million cap for the next, what was it, like eight years or something like that. And they're like – and now they're already talking about because mm. they know how screwed some of these teams are, especially after the Darnell Nurse and Seth Jones and all that bullshit. Oh, my God, we're having a lockout soon. You and know what? 100% the Chicago Blackhawks' front office fault. I mean, they 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 know they're on their way out, so they are just, like, screwing the league on their way out is what's going on right now, in you case nobody has picked up on that. But they're already talking about, like, making the cap higher and higher. So maybe that two and a half million, yeah, it might suck for that one year. If the blue season doesn't go well, that's when you maybe start experimenting with a rebuild. I mean, the last time the Blues did a half rebuild was at the end of 17-18 when they pulled the shoot at the very end because they knew they weren't good enough. And they missed the playoffs for the first time in, what was it, like 15 years of some garbage, like something like that. And next year they go out and win a freaking Stanley Cup. So Speaking of teams that are rebuilding, uh, Arizona Coyotes, AZ Sports Guy checking in here, says that we can have Phil Kessel. And then you, Derek, you can have them. You can Derek, have them. Well, then Derek floats out trade one locker room cancer for another. And I, I, I know you're, you're thinking Terrence for Kessel. Kessel makes six point eight million dollars, and then he's a free agent. One more year, then he's gone. You only have to deal with his ass for a half a season, and then you can flip him at the deadline if he doesn't work out for you. He might be onto something here. 
I mean, uh, then again, as as Russell Clark points out, the city probably doesn't have enough hot dogs for Phil Kessel. True. Uh, Steve's hot dogs is going to have to expand to yet another location just to accommodate Phil. But um, you might have to look at something creative like that with Tarasenko at this point, where you're doing like a good old fashioned hockey trade. Uh, and no Arizona sports guy, we are not going to take Louis Erickson for Vladimir Tarasenko. You can stop that dream right now, okay? Uh, keep your Jay Beagle. Keep your Antoine Roussel. Um, oh gosh, what, that's right. We, they got Beagle too. We, oh, I made so much fun of my brother after that. I made even, so much fun of him. We don't even want uh, Dimitri Yaskin. Sorry, I mean he's yes, Yaskin's a, a new uh, Arizona Coyote. He's gonna be back in the NHL. We already told him to fuck off once. Okay, we're we're, we're not gonna do it again. Then he went to the KHL and led them in goal scoring and was their MVP like, a couple of times. So I didn't maybe, maybe, maybe that, maybe that spurred him on. KHL, so I mean, go, it spurred him. him on. Well, real, real quick. Watch I him wanna... get five goals this year. Watch <laughs> him get will. five. <laughs> he probably will. So real, real quick, you were talking, we were talking about, you know, guys that can, you know, teams that the Tarasenko might go to. And, and I just, I keep circling back to the Islanders for some reason. I just, I don't know why I feel like that's going to end up being where he goes. It just makes the most sense for, for in my mind, that that's where he's going to go. You, you talk about I having to be creative. There. You talk about being creative and, and kind of having to do a hockey trade. You know, what, which guy from the Islanders do you think it would make the most sense to, to kind of maybe flip to the blues in a in a deal like that, I mean, I'm Hopefully. looking at it. I mean, you're not trading Anders Lee. You're not trading your captain. No. Um, you know, is, is a guy like is a guy like Barzell? I mean, I don't think no. that's the case. They they're gonna lock him up. But Brock Nelson, do you take a, a JG Pajo? I mean, Josh Bailey. I mean, what guy do you think that Islanders could part with that would make sense and still be a hockey move? Anthony Bovillier. Yep, Bovillier. Uh, and you know what? And I say that because you know, yes, he's a restricted free agent. But the Islanders, they have, according to Cap Friendly, almost $12 million in cap space still. And they still have some spots on the roster to fill. Now, we talked about Lou Lamarillo and how patient he is. He's been, you know, getting, you know, his, uh, you know, Adam Pellick just uh, signed to a big contract. Bavillier and Ilya Sorokin are still the only players that uh, that still need contracts. But they have some spots to fill. And, you know, if, if the Blues... We're able to get some, you know, like maybe like a Bavillier and we have to take Cal Clutterbuck back or something like that. You know, Clutterbuck's three and a half million dollars one year. He's a bottom six grinder. But if that's going to be the salary offset, I'd be okay with that. Or yeah, I okay. take a Cal Clutterbuck. No, pro- I mean, I've, I've always thought he would probably look good in a Blues uniform. He probably fits the mold of the Blues as well. Yeah, he, I'm he trying would- to think how the cap gymnastics would work then. Well, I mean, because we still have Thomas to resign. That's true, uh, but that's 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 it though. And and the Blues have a million, uh, one point five million cap. Right, and Thomas is going to get easily three and a half. So that that's that's going to be you know Thomas is going to probably eat the rest of that up. I mean, I, I don't think he. I mean, I don't think he's going to get going to get a big raise because he was hurt a lot last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe closer to he might get Sanford money in a sense two two and a half maybe. No, probably closer to two. Honestly, I mean, you think he's going to get that low? Yeah, he was hurt all last year. I mean, he I mean, when when, when players get injured like that and they're in their restricted free agent years, they don't get big bumps. Nor the nor. And plus, keep in mind, Thomas does not have arbitration rights. So they can can tell they they can basically do what they did to Vince Dunn and tell him, okay, this is what you're going to get. Take it and like it. And of course, Dunn didn't like it. No, I didn't even think about the arbitration thing. Okay, yep, you're right. 
So no, there, there's there's ways to do it, and I know I know Lamorello. Let's upload a Zach Sanford to, to the New York Islanders. Let's do it. Done. Deal. Sold. They Sold. Can... <laughs> Done. I mean, we're talking about how he's going to go to one of the two New York teams, and the only reason why I say yeah, he's going to the Islanders is because there's no way the Rangers take him. No, well, we've already made a deal. Discussion. We've already made a deal with the, with the Rangers anyway, getting Buchnevich. So I don't think oh, they're, yeah. gonna, they're pissed at us. So that's they're not going to be fooled twice. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's going to be the Islanders for sure. Uh, it's just a matter of when it probably happens. I mean, everything that I've seen and read and and just kind of followed, it just it feels like it feels mm-hmm. like it's the Islanders are bust. I, I don't see any other team really getting into it right now. But like I said, if, if we get to the end of August and he's still here, he might stick around with the Blues to start. And maybe other teams do get involved uh, as the deadline approaches. Hey, AZ Sports Guy, Tarasenko and Sanford for Clayton Keller. Who says no? Arizona, Arizona, yeah. I don't know. I I talked to. What we, do you we, mean? We, who says no? When we, talked to, when we talked to Corey and Richie a couple times, and you know, before Keller had his breakout year, they were ready to send Keller packing. So yeah, and, and of course, AZ Sports guy says no. Nah. Well, no. To be fair, Keller, Keller did show signs that he was about ready to make that next step. So that's probably not going to happen. Crushing our. Local St. Louis dreams. So I guess we'll have to settle for Phil Kessel, guys. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel, multi uh-huh. multi Stanley Cup winner, guy that looks like <laughs> yeah. guy that looks like all of us and uh, makes us feel good about playing sports. I mean, I know I feel better about myself because I see Phil Kessel playing. I mean, Phil Kessel looks like a guy he would fit right in in Lime. Oh, yeah. He's probably, he'd probably have a booth down over at Ronda's. I mean, come on. <laughs> 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 I don't know if Mason. I don't think Mason knows he'd about Ronda. He'd have Ronda's. his own table. He'd have his own table at Pappy's. That's what's gonna. No, go it, 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 no. It, what he would have is he would like have he'd be in the corner of Ronda's with with, with and he'd have like a little mobile hot dog stand, <laughs> you know, and and you know he'd be you know selling hot dogs for charity. <laughs> Oh gosh, what what is it? Uh, there's, a, there's, there's a Futurama episode with uh with that with the hot dogs uh hot dogs in an hour. Uh, people will wait for a great hot dog, and that's what he'd have. He'd just have one of those rotisserie hot dog things that he could produce hot dogs out of there. As he, he sits, Rondas is a strip club uh, out yes. over here in, in Illinois. I'm not, not sure if you if you knew that, Mason. So yes, that's kind of yes. why we went that direction. Well, yeah, yes. he's gonna have to compete with whoever makes the steaks at the strip yeah. club, because as we know. Steak at a strip club, elite. It certainly is. Well, speaking of that, I know Mason. Mason's working on a bunch of shirts and a bunch of merchandise as well. We're we're gonna have that up very very soon for sure. Everyone's gonna be so whelmed when they come out. (laughs) I do. That one was phenomenal. When you guys see that shirt, I think everybody's gonna want to get one because it is. (laughs) I'm getting one. It is perfect. I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna get one. Absolutely. And we're gonna have shirts. And I think you mentioned maybe a hat. I got, I got so many things. Okay, tell you what, I have an entire notes app of shit that I'm thinking of that I have okay. like drafts for. I only showed you a few things. I have a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll we'll definitely know. be on the lookout for those. Well, uh, so make sure different kind of content creation, yeah. by the way, while you're yeah. while you're away so, from the. So <laughs> a couple of the things that I have. This isn't everything, but I got shirts, beer sleeves. Hats, stickers, mugs, and hoodies right now is what I've drafted on. So. Beer sleeves will definitely work in St. Louis. Definitely. Oh, I know. I and Arizona sports guy, which, which face on a hat? Is it going to be Mason's face? Because I don't think you want my face on a hat. You don't want my you, face You got on your a face hat. on your car, Wags. I do. 
He does a little. <laughs> what an egomaniac! But that's gonna be like the joy. That's gonna be like a joy FM sticker. You know, people will have to avoid you on the highway. You know, just because. Oh God, it's wax. People avoid me anyway. So. <laughs> oh man, that got dark. What AZ? Oh, what? what? He's yelling at me. I got people yelling at me now. Yeah, he, he wants he wants your ha- uh, face on a hat, so he'll buy one. So. He wants my face on a hat. Yep, he wants your face on my a hat, face and he'll buy one. On anything other than my face, so. Hey, your sticker looks pretty awesome. Your your, your, pretty your sticker looks pretty cool. Although we so. need we need Senpai to update your face because your beard is starting to like yeah. starting to kind of start to. You I'm know, trimming this motherfucker. I'm trimming this like oh, bad. Man. I'm trimming it hardcore. I thought you were going full ZZ Top on us. Here. I wanted to. I wanted to. But look at how uneven this crap grows. So well, you have to. You have to maintain it. You can grow it and maintain I know it. Maintain it. I work in a freaking beard store. So I know when the play? case is hopeless. No. I know when the case is hopeless. <laughs> Look at how little like it grows on here and right here. And, uh... Oh, jeez. You're, just, you're just giving up too soon. There's a reason I can only have this because, like, even here, there's still, like, if you look really closely, there's a couple spots where it's, like, there's no, like, there's, like, hair. And I have to, like, creatively brush it every single time. Otherwise, I look like a hobo. I have to brush my hair down in a hole like this you can see because if it was straight it would look like a freaking u so by the way if your boss watches this mason uh tell him that we will actually say the name of the store when he advertises with us i know he's busy he was just in hawaii oh yeah really busy i hear hear he was in hawaii and his helicopter almost crashed oh wow whoa a bird a bird went flying through the windshield and shattered it oh man Man, and in here I thought meeting Guy was uh, was was treacherous. Ooh, no, I'm, kidding. Oh, no. I'm kidding, Guy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's cool. By the way, no, AZ, this is not a Warriors jersey. This is the only away Blues thing that I own. Yeah, and I'm I'm rocking. By the way, in case you're wondering, Justin Papineau oh, uh, yeah. from the from the equipment sale. By the way, although this may not originally be Papineau's, so. I posted this uh, on the hockey jersey subreddit, which is like, if you need information on hockey jerseys, that's where you go. And as someone pointed out, this is a starter. This is a a starter jersey uh, from the 90s. Papano wasn't drafted by the Blues until 2000. And Mm. the year after he was drafted, the Blues got rid of starter and they started wearing cohos. Uh, and see, and I actually, I think it was, I think it was CCM and then Coho, but maybe who knows. But regardless, they had a different jersey that year. And someone on the hockey jerseys subreddit thought maybe this is actually a Jeff Courtnall. This was a Jeff because because this was this this jersey's beat the shit. This is this game has seen some game action, but the 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 theory is maybe it was a Jeff Courtnall and they just ripped his you know nameplate off because Courtnall retired after yeah. ninety nine two thousand. They just ripped his nameplate off and gave it to Papineau. It's, you could be sitting on a on a legendary jersey right there. Uh, p- potentially, potentially. you got to find out. So, but I have no way of verifying that because I can't. There's like no, like like when it, when you buy like team issued jerseys, they usually have like a tag or some sort of label that says uh, this is from the 2000 2001 season, like many of my jerseys do. This one doesn't have any sort of labeling on it, so it, it's. It's it'll forever be a mystery. Uh, there oh, might be someone. Jersey. There might be someone. R- one more thing before we head out of here tonight from Derek, and it's it's not off topic in a sense because we are still talking about the Blues, but we haven't talked a whole lot about this. But does Perunovic make the roster, or is his time going to run out? Jake Wallman is evidence that if you're a talented young left-handed defenseman, time never runs out for you. 
You know, Wallman has been like the, you know, next one for years, you know, and, and, he, and it finally took him until this year to really break through. They'll get Prunovich all the time in the world. I mean, Mitch Reinke, uh, who was another college standout, hasn't been able to quite make, you know, make the NHL leap yet, but he's still in the organization and he's still going to get chances. So, yeah, Prunovich. He got chances this year. Prunovich's time has barely even started. I mean, it just it, the shoulder injury was unfortunate, but they'll give him chances. Uh, but I, I do think he starts the year in Springfield, though, because I, I agree he needs to get right. up to speed. So right, well, it's not often you have a Hobie Baker Award winner just like relaxing and not doing anything for your team. That's very rarely the case. Oh, and so. and, and also a guy that as a defenseman led a league in points in college too. I mean, yeah, I mean, something tells me he's going to get an NHL shot pretty. Although, soon. although remember, Peter Sena was a Hobie Baker winner, and I'd start worrying in five years if he doesn't crack a lineup. That's when I'd start worrying. But that's, and even then, he'd make a hell of a trade piece. That's the clock. Uh, Derek, yeah. five, years. five years, five years. And Peter Sena was a beast in, in my NHL video games. So don't, oh, yeah. don't, don't diss on Peter Sena. Him and him and Eric Boganicki. I mean, those two guys just, they were my leading scorers. See, that was the same logic of me playing NHL 11 the other day. Oh my God. Duncan Keith is the best player in the goddamn league. <laughs> By the way, Wags, if I had known that you had this much fandom for Peter Sena, I would have grabbed you a blue shirt. Because oh. I think there was a Peter Sena there. Damn. Well, yeah, I mean, he that's when I really kind of got back into the blues. I mean, I, I fell off during the, during the lockout, but you know, the Boganicki, Peter Sena, Hanzu, I mean, all of that that time frame was for me. I love that that time. That's what really yeah. got me reinvested in in blues hockey. That was also about the time that me and my dad had a limited season ticket package for the blues. We didn't we never we only did full season one time, and that was in the really bad Bill Lorry years and like our seats were like four bucks a, a seat because they were like up in like the last row of the nosebleed, <laughs> but that was, they, they were so much fun. But yeah, we, uh, yeah, early two thousands, man, that was a, that, that was a good time for sure. And then, uh, as I said, Bill Lorry happened. And- yeah, yeah. Yeah. The dark times, the days of the empire. But a uh, that's before my time. But. Yeah, little, little before your time. So. I, see, now, Wax, I feel kind of bad. I didn't because I, I, I let Luke Whitman know that I was at the equipment sale. I should have let you know because for shame, I could have gotten you a Boganicki because I, I was actually looking at I, I thought about grabbing one, but it was. Oh. I mean, I was at work, so I probably wouldn't have answered it anyway. Responded, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, don't That's feel true. that bad. Don't feel okay. that bad. Well, it, it'll probably be there next year. <laughs> it very well could, although if people know I like the Boganicki jersey, maybe it won't be. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Speaking of well, slinging I, I, chicken. I almost, I almost grabbed it literally just because Boganicki is also a Fort Wayne Comets legend. So, yeah. There's that, too. Yeah. And I love my Comets. Speaking of speaking of slinging chicken, uh, somebody was in my Twitter DMs calling me homophobic because I liked because uh, I eat Chick Fil A on a regular basis. So to celebrate that, I'm giving away a QR code that's good for a free sandwich. So go check out my Twitter and like and reply why you deserve it, and I'm giving it away tonight. So I, I think this is a great. I think every single time somebody calls me a, 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 a bad word, that I'm going that I'm going to give away a chicken sandwich. So. Should. You should keep keep sending them to my store. Too. I could be the I could be the Chick Fil A Jersey Fairy. That's what I can be right now. In, in, in fact, Mason, you should make the QR code redeemable only at Wax Store. Yeah, 
So I wish I could, but I actually I get the codes from. It's the survey. Surveys. Yeah, it's the survey. Uh, so oh, gotcha. They're valid at most Chick Fil A's. Yeah. So yeah, that they are. I think you can send them to people too. I think uh, if it's on the app, you actually can mm-hmm. gift. Well, gift I just it take somebody. a screenshot and send it, and I'd send so. it through DM and then use it. So yeah, that works. That works. Hey, you can get a free sandwich. <laughs> and look, look, I'll, I'll just be perfectly honest and off off the cuff. You know, I work there. Totally understand the arguments both ways. I don't give a crap. I serve people food. People come in of all, for, with all, <laughs> from all God's walks. Chicken. They, 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 I... they come in from all walks of life. I don't care one way or the other. I'm feeding you a, a, a good meal. You're paying me for it. I don't care what you do outside of that. Yeah. Go for it. I, I eat Chick-fil-A. I eat Raising Cane's. I eat Popeye's. I have never cared whether my chicken was pro-choice or pro-life. I just... Here, it's good. Mm, food Period. is food. Story. Yep. Keep politics out of it. That's all exactly. I gotta say. So, food is food. Uh, well, guys, thanks uh, for hopping on tonight. I know we got a chance to talk to Scott a little bit about the Cardinals. We talked a lot about the Blues, a little bit about the NFL as well. We also hyped up the Kansas City trip that we have coming up here Great this weekend. Great. It's gonna be so much fun, I, Mason. I'm we so need- sorry that you're not gonna be able to join us on it. It's gonna Who be a says blast. Hey, Ooh. Ooh, a surprise appearance possibly from Mason. Boss, that's who says no. no <laughs> terrible, terrible. By the way, if you have any, we, this is this is going to be the first time uh, for us going to KC. This is going to be my second, but I was very young the first time I went. So if you have barbecue ideas for Kansas City, uh, I know we, we know about Arthur Bryan's. Yes, we know about that. But like, you know, there's always the, those places that, don't get the hype that don't get the love uh feel free to you know message us on twitter or facebook drop a comment on this show let us know where should we go chow down in kc yeah because i'm gonna be hungry i can tell you that so uh for more information on our kansas city trip we'll be laying that out as the week goes on including potential special guests that we're going to be have lined up as well make sure you follow all of our social media profiles at toasted tavern and toasted st louis We'll unveil those as the week goes on, and we'll see you guys in Kansas City later on this week. For Scott, for Tom, for Mason, Blues Fan Reacts, I am Wags. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight, and we'll see you the rest of this week. Hey, it's you, man, here from Casey. For all your sports news, catch the Toasted Tavern with Scott Tobin and the man called Wags weeknights at 9 p.m. You can follow Toasted Tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.